Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We got podcast number 98, Adam Grand Mason, known as Adam22. He's in the building. It's an honor to have you, man. I look forward to chatting. Where are you? What's going on? Tell me what's happening. Um, I'm just in my office. Uh, I just got done finishing uh, the the. We have like a Snapchat show, uh, No Jumper News, where we just sort of talk about the day's events within hip hop and whatnot. So I just did an episode of that with my guy AD, and uh, you know this is where I, I sat here for like three four hours yesterday doing podcasts. Um, so yeah, I'm just posted up in our location right now. I like it. I like the background. I like, I've watched some of the, the content. I, I really must say I enjoy it and I've, I'm new to it in the last few months. Uh, and I, and I know you do have an affiliation with poker as well. well. Tell me a little bit about that before we, I want, I want to know, there's a lot of questions, man. I got a lot of questions for you, but let, tell me about that. What's your poker tie here? Cause this is sort of a poker centric podcast, but we, we dive out a bit and, and how do you tie into poker? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy just because poker takes up so much space in my brain and in terms of the content I'm consuming and stuff, even though, you know, it, it really makes no sense for me to invest so much of my time into poker, given like the, the other things that I could be doing at any given time. But to be honest, it's just something that sort of seeped into my brain uh, in the poker boom. I remember like just constantly seeing poker on TV in about 2003 and then 2004, I finally like threw, threw 200 dollars on a uh, pokerroom.com which was my site at the time which is uh I, I used to love that software i actually really miss it but uh yeah so I, I got into poker back then and you know just basically like read a bunch of stupid books and stuff and just got super into it but for a couple of years there in like 2004 five six i was you know 10 tabling like 10 hours a day oh, wow. and uh he was just ridiculously into it at that time. And, uh, you know, it, it, I took shit, I guess at least 10 years off from poker. And then like, as soon as the pandemic hit, I started to be like, you know what? I got a little bit more time on my hands. Cause that was always something I kind of regretted was that in my earlier poker journey, I wish that I had gotten coached at that time. I wish that I had just like been willing to put more effort and time into really building up my game. And, uh, I guess like once I got back into poker and like, you know, you know, there was one thing that really made me want to play poker a lot more was when I heard Doug Polk talking about why he doesn't play anymore. Right. And he was basically like, you know, it's just a bunch of nerds just staring at solvers all day. And it just doesn't really, you know, I, I understood what he was saying about why he wasn't interested in it anymore, but just realizing that there was this whole level of progression that had been reached that didn't exist back in the early two thousands, just got me really excited about it. So I uh, started studying with BBZ and, you know, just basically been working on my game a lot. I feel like I've made like huge improvements over the past couple of months and I'm just super, I don't know. I feel like every day when I'm watching poker content online and stuff i'm just picking up new stuff and more spots that i feel more confident in yeah i i did uh i dove over and i saw your i watched a bit of a stream i think i i literally saw your tweet and then i went over and you were you had already gone offline but i like popped back and, and watched a few few minutes and was seeing something it looked like you knew what you were doing you know it's like it's not like you're just like random in the game i could tell that you had some uh experience within within poker so yeah it's pretty cool it's a fun game and like you said it's sort of it can go down a rabbit hole and then you're doing so much stuff content podcasting and 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 everything it's like poker it takes a lot of time you play these tournaments it can take eight ten hours and you're sort of in a, in a lock space so it's a bit tricky to just sort of dive in a, a little bit you kind of either get really into it or 
or not, but that, that's awesome to see you there. Uh, tell me, tell me a bit for those, again, maybe don't know, cause you're, you're, uh, not as much into poker. You do podcasts. You got a really successful podcast. No jumper. Congrats on all the success. I see you know millions of followers. Get tons of uh, engagement. How did that come about? Tell me a little bit how you you got into that because I believe you were BMX doing BMX stuff growing up. And then how did that sort of uh, happen? Right. So it directly connects to the poker thing because in those early 2000s years, 2004, 2005, et cetera, I was, you know, sitting around playing poker all day, every day. And so I, I ended up having a ton of time to sort of, you know, traverse the, the internet. And I was just, you know, always kind of looking for something online to fill up the space in my brain in between, uh, playing hands and whatnot. So, um, one of the things that I got really into was just paying attention to like all the hip hop blogs that were popping up at that time. Like 2005, you started to have sites like nowright.com and two dope boys and all these sites that were basically just like, uh, independent hip hop news outlets and, and new music outlets that were popping up. And this was like, you know, I, I realized pretty quickly, like, Oh, I don't even feel the desire to buy the hip hop magazines that I was buying because these blogs are, are basically filling that void. So right. at the same time, you know, I've been riding BMX bikes since I was about 12 or 13 years old. And at this point I was maybe uh, 22, 23. So it's starting to occur to me like, Oh, magazines are a really big deal in BMX, but there's nobody really going hard with a website yet. So I started up a, a blog spot, the come up, uh, the come up blogspot.com and just started to really like sort of spill my guts, writing my own opinions about BMX and whatnot. And, uh, you know, posting all the newest videos and, you know, different sponsor changes. Basically I was, I was just like a early twenties BMX fan. And I, I just sort of like got this in my head, like, Oh, I can, I can run a BMX website that will just have all the information that I think is relevant and interesting. And, you know, it was pretty convenient because it was playing poker and being online playing so much that was really giving me sort of the space to explore that kind of stuff. And um, that really took off, you know, within uh, a couple months uh, of starting it or maybe, you know, six months of starting it. It was it was going well enough that, you know, at that point, I think I had become really disillusioned with poker by like 2007 or something. And I, I don't think I was a winning player anymore. And I was just really, you know, having a hard time with the variance. And so at one point when I started to make maybe like $3,000 a month from, from the website, I said, you know what, fuck this. And I withdrew all my money online. And I said, I'm going to just spend all my time really trying to make this website pop off. And, um, I think it was probably a pretty good idea for me at the time. And, and, you know, we started to do pretty good. And I was, I was doing that all through, um, you know, I started that website 2006 and maybe through like 2012, I was really primarily focused on just running like a website and a blog. And then around 2012 was when I realized, Oh, social media is taking over everything. And yeah. it might've took me a little while to realize, but I realized social media is going to make blogging obsolete at some point. Yeah. So I started to like really work on like, you know, becoming, you know, more of a, a, a figure or a personality myself, as well as, you know, just improving, doing YouTube content, figuring out like how I was going to sort of, you know, like, what is it to write a tweet in a, in a way that'll go more viral versus, you know, writing a tweet in a way that'll probably just stay within the boundaries of your existing fan base. And, and, you know, the social media challenge really started to become a huge thing for me around like 2012 and just started working at it. And around that time period was also when I realized like, oh, I can have a bigger contribution to this BMX world that I'm in if I start um, 
interviewing people and doing podcasts and stuff that, that it just occurred to me that that would be a great way to, you know, basically have like more of a real connection with my audience and show them who I really am. So I spent maybe a year of doing uh, a couple of BMX podcasts every week and was just really doing everything I could to, to just, you know, have conversations with everybody who I felt was relevant in that world. And then over time I started to, you know, meet a lot more like underground rappers and stuff, basically like the early days of the SoundCloud rap. Let, scene. Me, let, me, let me interrupt you for a second. Cause I, I just sure. find it super interesting and similar to poker where there is a, there's a certain type of personality or person that, you know, cause poker, like you mentioned, is a, it does have those connotations about can be a little bit dorky, nerdy, like closed in, you know, the what you're doing you're talking to people you're interviewing you're, you're out there you're doing social media but in poker with twitch in particular and you know there there is some people that sort of like have that drive they want to make a website they want to have a ha build a business along the way with what they're doing it's very hard you know what you did how you do it you know to start with a blog and have a vision how what what about your personality do you have a business background like i see i, th I believe you grew up in new hampshire you were born there at least like did you go to business school where you what made you do you think dive in and, and realize okay it's going to become a blog into kind of how did you did you know when you started was that your goal to make it some big production or are you just kind of doing what you loved and and sort of build learning as you went I think that like my, my dreams or my goals, like is basically progressed over time. Like at first when I started that BMX website, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really see past that. Like I, I don't have a business background at all. Um, I did, I, I graduated high school and I went to college for two years and I uh, didn't really connect with it at all. To be honest, I, I got really into credit card fraud when I was like 19 or 20 and uh, made like a couple hundred thousand dollars doing that early on in my life, which is basically what sort of allowed me to have some sort of space and cushion where I was able to, you know, like poker was the first thing that I ever earned a legit living doing. Um, and, you know, it certainly wasn't a, uh, a safe or consistent living, but it was the first right. time that I felt like, Oh, I'm independent and making a living off something without having to, uh, you know, risk my freedom. And, uh, yeah, like once I had the blog thing going and I, I, I sort of like reached the heights in a lot of ways of, that category that I was in because, you know, I had the number one BMX website within, you know, a year of starting it. And I was literally just a kid in my apartment and I had the whole BMX industry hitting me up, wanting to buy ads, wanting me to review their products, wanting me to do whatever. So I, I kind of, from there had to, you know, slowly expand my, my vision of what was even possible. You know, it's, it, it, it to, to, to me now, where I'm at now, if I were to have a conversation with a young kid who had started like a, a hot online property, it would have been pretty easy for me to for me to give them advice now on how to monetize, how to grow it, what kind of people you should hire, how you should bring people in. At that time in 2006, I mean, how you monetized a website was a very perilous thing. Like I had no clue. Right. And even beyond that, like the idea of being a YouTuber it didn't really exist yet. I think that if there was people like you or Doug or Joe Ingram, et cetera, at that time when I was early in poker, that I would have probably seen that vision and said, oh shit, I could be like a poker influencer. That's amazing. You know, now that vision is very clear to a lot of poker players. Um, in 2006, it was not 
so clear to me yet. And uh, I still feel like it's taken shape in a lot of ways. Yeah. And to your point, though, I think it's interesting because poker is so niche, right? Like even there's a cap, like there's there's people love poker, but it's sort of in a space like what you're doing. And and I guess BMX and then jumping now you're in, in the, the rap scene and doing other stuff like it's it's a huge, you know, the unlimited growth. And you can see that with your numbers and, and with your your show. So, I mean, it's 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 pretty cool to see like how, you know, how much engagement does it surprise you? You know, when you see million, you know, put up 15 or 10 minute clips, you're getting million views. And like, when did that start? sort of erupting where it was like uh it kind of went viral because i mean those are those are big numbers i mean even for for youtube standards or whatever you're getting massive engagement how did you have a marketing plan to just sort of that was there a moment that sort of took off uh where things just sort of like skyrocketed right so so i started doing all these bmx interviews and you know i was staying really consistent with that but i mean bmx size wise i would say is more in the category of poker in terms of like the the number of views that you could maybe potentially hope to get on something like i think i think my biggest bmx podcast we're doing maybe like 30 40 50 000 views on youtube and whatnot and then i started to like interview some of these underground rappers because i didn't realize it at the time but i was basically you know because at that point i had a bike shop in downtown la that we started in the, i think 2013 or 2014 um and that was really cool because you know downtown la at that point was where a shitload of the rappers like you know lil peep and uh you know uh, uh, ski master slum god or xxxtentacion all these guys were basically just like dudes that i knew because they were in this sort of like local small underground rap scene and i started to do interviews with some of them and then that scene itself just exploded and it really exploded because of uh or probably like the biggest person that came out of that was xxxtentacion who i interviewed i think i interviewed him when he had twenty thousand followers so he was like a very small internet phenomenon at that time and then you know pretty soon after he went to prison and his music started really exploding and all of a sudden i had you know you know futures manager is hitting me up and asap rocky's manager is hitting me up because i i for a short period of time was like managing quote unquote him right um and then he exploded so much but he was locked up. So it was like my interview with him that he did when he was like 18 became kind of like the blueprint for his career. And then that just ended up having such a huge outsized effect on my platform that all of a sudden I had tons of, of sort of established industry rappers hitting me up and wanting to do content and stuff. And, you know, I, I I sort of saw the vision and I saw what was going to be possible in that environment. So I just sort of like dove in head first and just started creating as much content as I possibly could. And, you know, trying to expand outside of the interviews as well by doing vlogs and going behind the scenes at shows. And, you know, basically like my thing has always been, I'm just like a lifelong rap fan. And I just basically wanted to create the kind of content that I would have appreciated if I wasn't creating content. So, you know, and still to this day, sometimes I'm kind of astonished that it's still going and that it's still working, but you know, I'm just trying to like do the kind of content that I would want to do if I was just a guy watching content. I still watch like an absurd amount of YouTube stuff on a daily basis. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of it too, right? Cause it's fun. You enjoy it, but you're also, I'm sure getting ideas and, and seeing stuff. And that's like also with podcasting and watching, you, you kind of get some good questions. You get a good style. You understand what works, what doesn't work. And, and if you enjoy it, I think that's one of the keys. Now was when you did that interview, were you, had you done a bunch of interviews or was that like really early on? Because 
you know, it's interesting. Sometimes people can do a lot of work or a lot of things. And all of a sudden one thing can spark it. And then everything else kind of comes with it. Were you already doing a lot or was that XX Tenacion? Was that the, was that like one of the early things you did and that blew up right away? Or was were you already sort of established, but like that really elevated everything you were doing? I mean, I really got my feet wet for like a year or two by just doing all those BMX interviews. And I, cause I remember when I started doing a podcast that I, I had to keep telling myself, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this. I just want to try. And if I suck at it, it is what it is, but I know that I can get better. I think that I'm like, you know, cause I had that idea in my head. Like, I feel like I can talk on camera, but I wasn't really sure how receptive people were going to be to it. So I think when I interviewed X, I maybe had like a, a, a couple dozen hip hop interviews under my belt, you know? Right. But yeah, definitely nothing that would uh, have indicated that that interview would go as crazy as it did. And I mean, for me, it's always just been like, I want to do good content. I try to remove myself from what the the views might be or what the reaction might be yeah. because that X interview, you know, I did that interview when he had 20,000 followers and it ended up being the interview that probably changed my life more than any other interview. Right. So, so I try not to like stay too focused on what's going to bring in the views in the immediate short term, because the biggest things that have ever happened to me were, were basically taking chances on smaller artists. So, right. you know, I, I try to just very much like use my judgment and my viewpoint point of what's going to be uh interesting and i mean i still have surprises all the time like i interviewed uh a couple of the dudes who who are basically just straight up bloods like gang members that sort of helped initiate takashi 69 into their world and that i mean i got like i think two million views on that one uh this year and that i mean these guys are you know they're basically just gangbangers and they just had an interesting story to tell about somebody who blew up so i mean i'm i'm, I'm kind of constantly surprised by what stuff people will gravitate towards but i think at the end of the day you just want to try to just make good stuff and and right. just hope that people gravitate towards it in the long term for sure. Well, you're very well spoken and it's, uh, it, it is, it is very cool to see, you know, podcast development. I, th- I feel like nowadays I, I kind of think it's interesting. I'll see similar to Twitch, but so many people are, are trying to get into podcasting now. Like you just see it. Like I hear, Oh, someone's starting a podcast and it's similar to Twitch. It's very hard, you know, like to do mm-hmm. a podcast, you gotta, you gotta line up the guests. You gotta talk to them. You have to have a team usually that helps you. I don't I would like to know as well about your team and how it's grown. Cause I'm sure, you know, I have a pretty big production. You got, you got a lot of content going out. You're doing it. You're not, I would imagine you're not doing the, the thumbnails and the YouTube, like you have a team, I would have some degree that does stuff. So it's like, you know, people, I think they think about it. They, they want to do it. They're like, Oh, it could be cool. I could talk to people. I know some interesting people, but it's it's really difficult. Similar to Twitch. It's like, you know, and I want to ask you about Twitch as well, because you started Twitch and you know, you have a massive following, but Twitch is brand new. And like how that process is, was that like intimidating? You got to learn OBS. You got to do this stuff. It's a little tricky too, because you go on there and not that the numbers even really matter if you do it and you love it, but it's like kind of hard to start something new and basically have no engagement, right? You have 8,000 followers on Twitch. People don't really know about it. It's a different sort of world poker. You get on there and you're like learning something. Uh, so tell me about like how that is like to start with something kind of brand new. And is that difficult for you or do you just love it and just don't really care about, you know, that process of, uh, do you enjoy it when you're starting something basically from scratch? Yeah. I mean, the, the way I feel about poker is that, you know, the money really doesn't matter to me. Like, you know, even if I were to win like one of the biggest, you know, if I were to win a, 
a tournament and win, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000. I mean, that wouldn't really like have that big of an impact on what I got going on. Yeah. Uh, it's just a pure love of, of the game and, and really wanting to get as good as possible, you know, and, and I, I see the vision through like a lot of these, uh, guys that I watch who make videos about studying stuff. I can't, I can't say enough about how much BBZ has impacted the way I think about poker and, and on the podcast as well, Jordan Drummond and, and, you know, he's on team party poker with myself. Great guy, right. great, you know, creator, great, great. Uh, you know, he puts out a lot of content and you, and you see how deep a game it is, right? It's like mm-hmm. people who like think poker, it's funny to me when, and it, it makes sense. Like if I hear, you know, chess or back in games, you don't know, but like poker, the amount of works, like you mentioned solvers and studying like the top, top, I'm talking the 0.01%, the best, Best, best best players in the world like they're doing incredible amounts of work and simulations and studying people think you go to a casino and sit down and you're just gonna like oh i know like a, a, a straight you know beats three of a kind and a flush beats a straight like you know that's not how poker is right and it's important to understand that because if you just dive in and think that you're gonna get you're gonna get kind of wrecked right it's important to know where you're at and realize like what you need to be you know to, to take it to the next level so it sounds like you have a really good coach and a really good understanding of kind of at least where you're at and what's going on because it is a, it is a deep game for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely a game where it's funny to think in like 2003, you could kind of like just get online and read a couple books and probably have a pretty decent chance at having a, a positive win rate at that time. Uh, especially if you were willing to like dive into the forums and, and work on your game a bit. Whereas I feel like now, uh, you know, any people say to me like, Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about starting to play on ACR just to make extra money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> this game is not so easy these days. Like you're, right. if you want to like have poker be a consistent source of income for you, you're going to have to, you know, really, really put in some work and really like work your ass off. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of Twitch and stuff, I actually really fell back on streaming poker just because Streaming, I think more than anything, sort of showed me the holes in my game, both from realizing that I wasn't able to verbalize like why I thought I should do certain things. And, you know, once you you have the chat and they're criticizing you and stuff and it starts to, you know, that made me really realize pretty early on, like, oh, fuck, like I have so much to lose that I really need to work on. But now I'm, I'm starting to feel a lot more confident and getting back into it and everything. Um, so, yeah, but I, I mean, in terms of poker, it is kind of odd because so much of my audience doesn't really know anything about poker. So, I, I do sometimes feel like I'm kind of, uh, you know, exposing a big chunk of my like younger audience to something that they don't really have like a cultural right. uh, understanding of, which would not have been the case at all. And when I was 19, you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing poker. You couldn't drive down the highway without seeing a billboard yeah. for a poker site. Um, yeah, it's I, I, back. I mean, it is U.S. You know, states legalized Michigan, Pennsylvania. They have Nevada. New Jersey's already running. Uh, West Virginia. There's some other you know stuff on the bill, and it's a great game. I mean, poker is one of those things that really does apply to a lot of areas in life, and I think it's a great thing to be able to do. But you know, same thing. You don't want to promote it. You don't want to push some people maybe that you're like, Oh, like poker's great. And you push them down a hole, like put them in a spot where, you know, you gotta, you want to be honest. You want to tell them, look, it's not easy. It's, it takes a lot of work. You know, don't, you know, start really small and you gotta, you know, the people look up to you and influencer, same thing. I feel responsible. Like I want to let people know, Hey, this isn't like, I'm not trying to sell the dream that, Hey, I you know play high stakes tournament poker and, you know, go crazy and quit your job and play poker. Cause that, that's not really, you know, that what I, what, what the lesson is, I think, you know, you want people to understand it, realize it's a game you can work at and get better at and, and not try to like, 
sell a dream of like, yeah, playing professionally is the way to go. Cause yeah, I think, and, that, and that's important, you know, to let people know that. And I, and I see that sort of what your, your, your messages as well. And how you say, and already talking to you now that that's not what you're saying. You're saying like, look, it is hard. You got to work at it. And if you're going to do it, start really small and, and, you know, learn you don't Definitely. want to dive in and go nuts um, no yeah i mean I, I love the game so much but then you know the, and that's the one thing i don't know if you have experience of this is that a lot of my friends want me to teach them how to play poker but i don't really know how to like teach somebody the simple version of the game without getting too deep into the more complicated aspects of it so that's something i actually want to get better at and and perhaps get more consistent at is like maybe even forming like a little club here with a bunch of my friends and, and different people I know who are interested in really learning and like actually taking them through how to learn the game because right. I feel like I, I I know a lot but I'm not exactly sure how I would go about you know actually taking somebody from zero and you know I, I mean I guess I could sort of break it down but it, it feels a little challenging yeah but i mean you, I, to be fair you could you could almost do that safer let's just say you gave someone a blueprint on how to start a podcast like same kind of thing it's like mm. it looks kind of simple but it's not like you could you could give them some steps you got to start with this here's the equipment you need here's how it works like here's it you know like it's just it's a lot you kind of have to do it your yourself and dive in you can give sort of a playbook but it's just you know anything you want to really get good at you got to spend a lot of time and sort of go through the uh you know the sweat of it all so it's uh it's interesting let me uh transition here to your about to be a father thank you for coming on today it looks like it could be you might have to go right i mean a couple days uh, it could pop anytime i mean she's a couple days away i saw an instagram story what like within yeah. three days yeah i mean today uh was the first day that i actually saw her like wake up in the morning and not get out of bed like she was still like laying in bed watching tv at like 10 in the morning and normally she's a super hard worker yeah. um so that that was kind of crazy to me just to realize like oh fuck like you're far enough along in this that you're you're not trying to get out of bed so uh yeah i don't know i mean me and my girl we've been together four years and and about a year ago we finally uh it was actually on halloween last year we went halloween uh out with my my nephews and we just you know, sort of started to realize, like when we were looking at all these uh, cute ass kids, like, oh shit, like, like, what are we really doing that we couldn't do that as well? And like, right. you know, we, we started to have the conversation and then all of a sudden here we are. Um, I'm unbelievably excited. Like, you know, I, I was scared at first, but I, I, yeah, at this point I'm just like, you know, I'm losing my mind. I can't wait for this thing to pop out. So I'm super excited. You're, you're 37, 36, 36, 36. Yeah. 36. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I got a, a year and a half year old son. It's, it is, it's the greatest. It's fun. It's, you're going to, you know, whatever. There's nothing I could say. Teach his own. It's uh it's a whole different world, but that'll, yeah. Congrats on the, you know, that's, it's, it's right here. And, and I'm sure that'll be uh it's not a body experience. So you'll uh, you'll be enjoying it. And, you know, again, teach his own, nothing you can really say or prepare. It's just a different, a uh, whole different thing. So con congrats yeah. on that, that, that looks exciting. Um, how, how have you thought about how that will change with, uh, sort of your guys like day to day with podcasting or other stuff you're doing or, or just kind of going to take it as it goes? Cause I mean, it's, it's one of those things it's hard to really under prepare for, but you know, it is a right. big, big addition. I mean, you know, on one hand, I feel like I work my ass off, but on the other hand, you know, owning my own business and everything, I do kind of have like a lot of freedom to be able to be in and out of the office. So I, I feel like when I really think about it, I think I'm going to be able to like 
carve out a very nice amount of time to be able to spend with the family and everything. So, I, I mean, poker is one thing that I wonder, like, am I going to be able to be in the back house streaming poker for 14 hours uh, on a, a given Sunday? That might be a little bit more of a challenge, but I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm totally planning on being like posted up on the couch with the laptop and, you know, she's, she's breastfeeding, she's cuddling the baby and I'm over here and I got my six tables going and I'm still managing to be a good dad while I'm playing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that would be a pretty good cheat code to, to get going at some point. Well, I'm a little nervous because I did buy a PCU here <laughs> on Steak Kings. I see you got the action up and this is coming up in a day. This is right around the due date. I just got to know what are you going to do when you're, when you're the chip leader of this massive tournament and your, your baby's on the way. Like, can you go on mobile, a tablet? Like, what are you going to do here? Because I'm, I'm already invested. I'm going to buy a little more. But uh, I just, I'm a little nervous. I'm gonna buy a hundred more. I got. I think I have like eight percent, man. So don't blow this. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna buy that. But like, I. I. Uh, I want to know. Like, what? What's that plan? Because that's right, kind of in the heat of it. You know, you're right in it. Yeah, I don't know. That that would be pretty crazy if if Sunday if I were unable to compete. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how I would handle that. I feel like ACR actually uh, would probably just be like, all right, you could play a a different day. They would probably yeah, like yeah, move no, move sure. the ticket around. So, but yeah. I mean, what would suck is if I like buy into like ten tournaments and then all of a sudden she starts to give birth. That would be very troublesome. So hopefully yeah. we can avoid that for sure. All right, well, just maybe focus on the one that might be. That's a big enough one anyway. That's a special one. And and uh, yeah, I mean, if you listen, if you guys if you're looking at, at hitting more stops doing some family stuff traveling there's definitely covid's messed up right now and there's no live poker but there's a there's an array of good stops and fun fun areas to go and travel is that something you would you be open to going on and taking a family go to bahamas go to you know, i represent party poker like you mentioned there's acr there's a ton of different sites and stops and really cool places around the world like would you want to play some live poker maybe bring no jumper on the road go to like a stop play a bit of poker do some do some interviewing would that be of interest to you yeah, definitely. I mean, I, that's one thing uh, that I really have found that I get out of poker is just there's so many fascinating, like ridiculously intelligent people involved in poker. Um, and one one thing I really like about it is that, you know, rappers tend to beef over you know, they, they tend to beef over more stuff like, you know, territory or, 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 you know, ego basically. Whereas like poker players, they really will like attack each other's intelligence, which I, you know, it's much more, it's fun to observe, you know, cause a lot of these guys are just ridiculously intelligent. So when they're, they're arguing on Twitter, it's just like unbelievably entertaining. And I, I, I had a tweet the other day where I was like, honestly, Anybody out there, you should spend the next couple of years of your life like getting deeply involved in the poker ecosystem just so that you can enjoy these arguments that are taking place on Twitter. I really I have no plans on uh, engaging myself because I, you know, I, I really only want to bring any kind of like positivity to the poker world. I would hate that if I ever found my if I ever found myself in a spot where I was like arguing with people that I uh, well, respect on there. But, you know, yeah, I definitely am, am down to travel and, and down to hit tournaments and see what all that stuff is like. I really haven't, you know, aside from like, um, you know, I went to the the Aria and played like two five for a couple of days uh, during the, the porn awards. Um, like a year ago or so uh, I played a few days of two five and pretty much got my ass handed to me by a bunch of regs. Cause I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, yeah, that, that, but aside from that, I haven't really played much live at all. Even back when I used to play early two thousands, I mean, I went to the casino a few times and played in a few like underground games in New York, but nothing too crazy. So, you know, I'm definitely, I'm all about that. 
I love it. Well, yeah, we should definitely discuss some uh, future options. Kind of, kind of hard right now because there's no plans for really anything. So hard to know what's coming up. You, you mentioned the the uh, the porn awards, adult the movie, adult industry stuff. Explain to me a bit of what your um, what your involvement is, or, or you said you go there. Do you do some hosting? Are you involved? Like, what what is your ties with the, that industry in particular? Right. Um. So. I guess like my original involvement was just the fact that I was, uh, I guess consistently drawn towards hanging out with, uh, porn stars prior toward to me getting into the relationship that I'm in now. I just already knew a bunch of girls in the industry and, you know, like the first porn interview I ever did was Riley Reed. And I think it got like four or 5 million views. And, uh, that was, you know, that, 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 that sort of just broke me into the, the game of doing porn interviews. And, you know, I, I've just got like, I've got dozens of porn interviews that have millions and millions of views. That's always been, um, a category that has just done extremely well for us. And then when I started seeing my girl, um, she, she, hadn't done anything like this and then you know after you know she started like a private snapchat and stuff like right around the time that we started hanging out i kind of encouraged her to do that and then you know we started filming content for her only fans together and then I, I really even in just the, like the last six months me and her have started working on this this site that we have coming that's basically an adult site um so that's kind of me like officially formally, like really entering the porn world, which, you know, it's, it's kind of been this like slow, gradual thing of realizing that yeah. I don't mind doing it. I actually like doing it. I actually, you know, aside from even just the money, it's just like enjoyable to me. I actually appreciate the, uh, the art of it, I guess. And yeah. it's just something, it doesn't bother me. I, I feel like for a lot of people that would be kind of, it would be really hard for them to make that leap of thinking that it was, uh, okay or normal to do porn or whatever. And for me, it's just, I don't, I, I didn't have that much of a, a thing to get over. It just seemed kind of natural to me. And I, I, uh, you know, I actually genuinely enjoy it. And I'm, I honestly, this, this new thing that me and her are starting that I can't go into too much detail about. I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be one of the biggest things I've ever done in my entire life. Cause it's, it's kind of like a whole new take on, an adult site. So I'm, right. I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. It's interesting. I mean, again, I, I gotta say, I think that your point about poker players and being very intelligent or, you know, at least the ones maybe you follow or know, right. The successful ones make sense, but I, I would imagine, uh, and I think this is, I'm learning more. And what I enjoy the most about podcasting is talking to people in various industries. That's why I started Jeff Gross podcast, not, not just poker. Cause I want to talk, you know, yourself, I got, uh, you know, business executives, sports rappers, comedians, whatever. I, I like to talk to people that are at the top of their craft and sort of see like what, what is similar, what drives them, what makes them successful. And I'm curious on your take on this, because I think in general, the adult industry, you know, rappers maybe have a bit of a negative connotation, like, Oh, they're not so, you know, it's like a different thing. But I think if you take poker, rap, adult movie, these type of things, like, any industry like that, the people that are super successful, is it fair to say in your opinion that they would be successful at anything they do? Because like they're like those, some of them are business savvy. They know who to surround themselves with. They know how to monetize and make it to the top. You know, rappers like I, I don't nowadays there's a lot of auto tune. There's this, there's that being able to like be in the right spots, put yourself in position to win and be successful. Get, you know, cause it's easy to get a bad manager bad marketing, not get the right exposure. So I, I don't know, like, what, what do you think on that? Cause I would, I would kind of argue that people that are at the top of those industries in general are, are just in general, pretty intelligent, but maybe not. I mean, not always just like poker. That's not always the case, but like, well, how do you feel on that? Like uh, meeting yeah. successful people? 
No, that's definitely true. The like early on in my time uh, going to adult conventions and whatnot, I sort of had that impression of like, oh my God, these people are so weird. There's so many strange people that end up in this business. Um, but then, you know, like I think in reality, there's, there's just a shitload of people who involved in the game. And so, some of the girls who are, you know, basically probably mostly famous for their looks, when you actually get down to talk to them about how they run their businesses and stuff, it's, it's pretty inspiring. Like, you know, uh, somebody like Riley Reed, where, I mean, I've had conversations with her about business, about how much money she's bringing in about the different types of content that she does to appeal to different markets. I mean, she's basically just running a business that she is the star in. And, and it's really, from my perspective, it's not so different than podcasting because a huge percentage of the content that these, these people are doing is basically like collaborations where they're working together with different girls and sort of overlapping their fan bases and whatnot. Um, I don't really, yeah, I mean, like, I, I could see how some people might have, you know, a negative view of the average porn star or the average rapper. But, you know, rappers, I would say the same thing. A lot of them, you know, they're not maybe college educated or maybe they don't speak in a, a language that immediately seems as if they're mega intelligent to some people. But yeah. I think if you can sort of, like, see past some of that, some of the rappers I've talked to have just been, you know, jaw-dropping, inspiring as fuck to me in terms yeah. of just... I mean, they're so gifted and talented at what they do. And they, they, mm. even then, it's like you could say this about athletes, you know, the best athletes in the world. Some of the best athletes in the world probably never, you never even heard of or never even got to college play basketball because there's so many other t uh, factors, uh, you know, uh, attributes you need to be successful. Right. So it's like same with Eminem or someone that's like, yeah, he's talented or whatever. But like to be driven, motivated, you know, make some key decisions and spots that are that are intuitive or not. You just you have to get it right or you just you just don't get you know, you get screwed. Uh, or don't make it. So yeah, I think uh, it's also kind of crazy. Like, you know, those industries, you talk about like cannabis, um, you know, porn, poker, like they're, they're kind of, uh, and again, I'm not here. I don't want to like judge or say whatever, but those, I mean, those industries like banks, they don't get really favorable treatment, in a lot of spots and they mm -hmm. get kind of uh, looked down on Well, you know, obviously different, I'm not saying they're all the same, but kind of in that, in that, in that bundle, you know, those are sort of uh, categories that, that get frowned upon poker included. I mean, poker is the kind of tied in with gambling, even though it's completely, you know, it is a form of gambling, but it's not like sports betting or roulette or uh, blackjack, which, you know, most people would know, but some maybe not think, but, you know, it does get kind of tied into like, a negative connotation historically, which I think is unfair. Um, but you know, it's part of what it is, right? It's just like, people don't know what they don't know. And you know, it's easy to judge or, or look at things and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit tricky, a bit tricky. Yeah. And I mean, just think for a second about how much the game has changed in terms of sex work and adult content where, you know, there was a time even up until just a couple of years ago, where if you wanted to make your name in that world, you basically had to sort of submit and just go to these directors and producers and just sort of fall in line and do whatever kind of content that they wanted to do. And now you got girls making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month off of, basically doing whatever the fuck they want to do. They're on their own time. They can work with their, their boyfriend or they could just do stuff solo or whatever. And so you've got this like whole new league of, of women. And I mean, really men too. Like I know a whole bunch of like male porn stars who do extremely well and they're, they're totally in control of their own destiny and they don't have to, you know, fall in line with these producers and stuff. And if anything, the producers are the ones who are sort of scrambling to figure out what their role is 
in this this world and that to me is something that's like hugely inspiring just seeing the way the the adult industry is being twisted on its head where all of a sudden like you know you have somebody like Mia Khalifa who comes on and says oh I only ever made $12,000 off of porn I mean I know tons of girls who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month uh, and they don't do anything that they don't want to do so I mean the game has sort of been like flipped yeah. on its head which is pretty amazing to see yeah. to be honest well it's like I said it's interesting I know nothing about it I've uh you know like in terms of the, the economics and how all that stuff works but I, I've, just like a lot of industries they are changing technology sort of uh, understanding and thinking and, and different things but um is it is it fair to say on no jumper you how would you break down your 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 pie chart of guests are you doing it's primarily rappers at this point or what can people expect when they watch no jumper in terms of uh guests yeah i mean i would say at this point it's pretty much like 90 percent rappers or people involved in the rap industry um we do do adult stars here and there but this this new thing that i'm uh debuting is is gonna sort of take the place of a lot of the porn interviews that i've been doing on no jumper i still want to do uh interviews with adult stars on no jumper but i feel like this new thing i'm starting is gonna sort of take the place of that to a certain extent yeah you know like when i first started no jumper to be honest i was in a very similar position to where i think you're at where you know i was i was talking to you know people who own clothing lines. I was talking to, you know, girls who would just have millions of followers on Instagram from being models or whatever. I was talking to skateboarders. I was, I, I was talking to internet comedians and real comedians and other podcasters and whatnot. And then at a certain point, like, we just became so well known for doing hip hop interviews that it kind of didn't matter that I was trying to create something that was like really well-rounded. So I, I, I still do, a lot of content with people that aren't directly involved with hip hop, but it's also, you know, I see the comments where people like really view no jumper as being a hip hop platform at this point. So that's one thing I kind of think about sometimes is maybe moving some of the more outside the box interviews over to my personal YouTube channel and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've thought about it like, you know, just with poker as an example, I thought about, you know, there are a lot of poker players that I would like to have conversations with, but at the same time, is there necessarily really a reason for my, for me to throw my hat in that ring when, there's so many people doing uh, poker content right now that I think are probably much more knowledgeable and qualified. So, you know, that's something that over time I might be interested in doing more of, but also, you know, there, there was very much a period when I first started doing podcasts where doing podcasts seemed like that was my networking opportunity. Like that's my way that I'm going to get to meet all these people that I'm interested in and find ways to sort of worm myself, my way into the game. Now I don't, and now I'm much more uh, inclined to just listen to podcasts with other people and not feel so compelled to necessarily create content with everybody. But, you know, I do spend a, a good amount of time thinking about like what the perfect poker media company would look like. You know, you see mostly right now it's, it's people like you and Doug and Joey, et cetera, who really build like personal identities within poker that they're able to then, you know, build businesses on top of. And, uh, you know, I, I always like, I'm kind of constantly wondering about that, that problem, like poker, I would say that the media side of poker is kind of lacking and uh, people like you guys have sort of like come in to fill those gaps. Um, but what's the future of that? I don't, I don't necessarily know, but it's something I'm super interested in. 
Yeah, for, I, I I agree completely. What is uh, I got to ask you about this because I actually watched this clip. This is on the main page the other day, and I, and I kind of wanted to understand the the energy here because it was the the Black China walk out of the thing, and the whole interview was kind of wild. And I thought you did a really good job, and she was just didn't seem interested to be there. But how do you deal with um, you know you've done a lot now, so like when you have a good vibe and energy with someone, can you tell like right away if you're going to have a good podcast or not, or like what like what what was that about? Because she seemed just like she, this was strange. Like I don't get why she would come and then not want to answer any questions and and like how do you even you know have you ever dealt with something like that or is that like a one of one yeah i mean i've definitely done a lot of pretty horrible interviews um where you know i've had people just sort of show up and they're like on drugs or or they're you know just not in the mood to have a conversation the black china one was kind of shocking because you know they they her people hit us up to schedule it and they seem, and even they actually spoke to me afterwards and they said she was really, really excited about this interview. I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, after doing that interview for a bit, I sort of started to realize like, Oh, this is so bad that it's almost better than if it had went well. Right. Um, at some point, then, a tipping point where you just like, it's just going to be like, interestingly, so crazy. I, I, you said it in yeah. there, you're like, oh, this is good. This is going wild. And like, she had, at some point she had to walk off. Right. It's just like, it was just like, there's really not like, you're saying, how could I end it? Like, where would I, I don't even know how to end it. It was just like, it was bizarre, but I, I thought you handled yeah. it really well. And it was just strange. Like her whole ad- attitude and mannerisms and everything. It was just like, she didn't want to be there, but they like reached out to come. It just, it doesn't make sense to me, but I don't know. I, I just didn't. But, but you know, a good thing came from that where like her and Amber Rose used to be really good friends. And then Amber Rose hit me up to do the interview right after that black China one came out. And I think that it was a little bit of like a, a thing where she, she wanted to show that she would give me a really great interview because black China gave me a bad interview. So, and and right now that shit is super viral. Like the, some of the things that Amber Rose said about dating Kanye and stuff is like on TMZ and it's on complex and all these different things. So uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, even the Black China interview going poorly, I still felt like, you know, j- just the fact that she even came on the podcast in general being so famous probably w- was a good thing oh, regardless. No, I mean, there's no question. Like, I, I think it was, I mean, it's, it's, it was, it was one of those things too. I just couldn't take my eye off it. Like I was watching, I was like, what's going to happen next? And, and again, I thought you handled it very well. It was just like her energy was just not aligned. Like you could just tell she was not really engaged. Like she was just for whatever reason, but that happens, right? People have a bad day, people, something yeah. else happened, or you touch a question that is personal to them and you don't really know, but like they don't want to answer and then they get a, you know, so like you just don't know, like it can trigger, someone can get triggered on something. You just never really know. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting and I thought you did a good job and it was just kind of interesting to see how that played out. Um, I appreciate it. Like some, sometimes I have people in and I know so clearly in my head what the fans probably want them to hear, want to hear them talk about. I know what I think is interesting to hear them talk about. And then people come in and it's, you can kind of tell that, they live in a bubble where they don't really have people asking them questions that they're uncomfortable with. And they don't, they don't necessarily like, you know, they're just not clued in about that. Like if I sit down for an interview and somebody asks me all kinds of controversial questions about different shit I've been involved in, I'm, I'm happy to take that on. And because, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit more connected to the real world. Whereas sometimes with somebody like black China, I feel like she lives in a bubble where she doesn't have to deal with, somebody asking her tough questions right. so she's probably got a lot of a lot of yes women around her yes men that are just sort of like on her you know they're never gonna put her in a tough spot or any you know, like you're saying they're not gonna they just want to sort of let her do her thing and then she gets maybe caught off guard when someone's sort yeah. of uh, 
trying to get the right. I would assume, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's, yeah, very interesting. And what, uh, what is, uh, what, what about, um, your team? Tell me a little bit about no jumper. Like what, what goes into that production, the clips, the media, like, you know, top to bottom, how many people do you have kind of working and, and helping you produce this type of uh, output? Shit. Okay. Let me try to account for everybody. So I have, uh, Josh, who's my brother-in-law, who's actually kind of the, uh, he's sort of like an organizational overall manager of the whole thing we have going here. Okay. We have, uh, Trev and Yuri who are two in-house editors. I have, uh, my guy, Jason, who's like a brand manager who sort of like helps with basically the branding of everything as well as the apparel, the merch, everything along those lines. Um, we got this guy, Phil, who basically runs the Kendama side of things as well as the BMX team uh, for my, my other brand, the shirt I'm wearing on some shit, which is like my BMX uh, clothing company that we still have going on. Um, we have like an independent firm that handles some of the editing for us. So we can sort of just like farm stuff out to them. And then, you know, we have like a bunch of different like on camera personalities, like my boy, AD little house phone cam girl, um, there is more. I'm definitely forgetting some. Oh, uh, we have Laura, who uh, is like my publicist. So she helps line up a lot of the interviews as well. as She, she also uh, creates the YouTube schedule. So she actually makes the videos live and whatnot. Um, cool. We have uh, a couple girls and or a couple of people in general who just help with the social media side of things. Cause that's like one of my big goals is basically to have no jumper. Like even outside of me doing podcasts, I want it to very much be known as one of the best sources for breaking news within the culture on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. Um, so that's a big chunk of it. I'm definitely going well, to, I'm, I'm definitely forgetting people, that's but yeah. People. So you, you have a big team. And, and when you first started though, when you literally did your official first podcast, how many, how many podcasts do you have roughly now? Would you say like between across everything, say from BMX and whatever, any, any rappers total, like do you, do you number them or do you just kind of put them out? No. Like if you had to guess, is it 500? If, I, if I had to guess, it would say probably a thousand plus. Wow. So that's um, that's a lot. And especially if we include the BMX podcasts and yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I don't know. The, a thousand sounds like a safe bet, but I'm not actually sure. That's, that's pretty incredible. What, what, what do you, what is the ultimate plan of no jumper? Do you want to like sell it? Do you want to get a like you see Rogan obviously got bought for what I, for was a hundred million or some crazy uh, or for to go exclusive on Spotify. Like, do you think about that type of stuff? Do you just kind of go with the flow or do you have any idea sort of what you think no jumper is worth? And is that like a goal to sell to someone or, or do you just kind of put your head down and just working at it and not really thinking about that right now? Yeah. I mean, selling, I guess I could, you know, I, I would consider the, the option at some point. I'm not sort of like deluded enough to think that that would never be an option, but I would say that my actual goal is basically just to run the best hip hop centered uh, media company that I possibly can. And I feel like a lot of the incentives that come along with like doing a corporate deal don't really make sense for me. You know, I'm very much interested in interviewing, you know, smaller artists and people before they pop off and everything. But I, I think that like, you, you know, I've, I've been through this process before with like the BMX side of things. And when I look at the BMX website that I created, I, at first, when I started doing it, I was like really controversial. I was, I was really saying a lot of things that pissed off the industry. And, and, you know, I, I sort of then like I recoiled at a certain point and I sort of recalibrated the business to be uh, less offensive and more of a team player, sort of like, you know, helping out the, the industry with its objectives or whatnot. And when I think about no jumper, 
I really don't want the the product to be shaped by the industry. I want the product to be shaped by what I think is ultimately good for the community and ultimately stuff that people will, will love and appreciate. You know, I, I feel like my goal isn't really to make as much money as possible with no jumper. It's really just to make uh, the best content that I can and try to, you, you know, just build the company that I want to, to, to see in, in the, hip hop world is just to basically do the best job that I can. Right. Uh, I feel like we've made a lot of strides in that regard. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy with where it's going. I definitely want to keep it growing, but ultimately like what really means a lot to me is just having a, a team of people sort of working together and, and creating something that we all believe in. Um, when I think about the porn side of things, that's much more something where it's like, Oh wow. Like this is something that is probably going to make so much money that, whatever no jumper is making maybe won't matter so much to me in a couple months or whenever we launch this thing. So I don't know. I mean, I just try to, I'm trying to keep my head in the right space of like, you know, the way I handled my business differently when the BMX side of things was that, you know, I wanted to make $10,000 a month. That was my goal with, with the BMX side of things is that I was pretty much willing to do whatever to get to that point. Now I feel very comfortable financially and, and much more able to like, look at what I'm doing with my life and say like, okay, how do you really feel about what this is adding to the world around you? And and that's how I try to judge myself, you know? Makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, tell me on these products here. What's this? I saw this on a video as well. You, you're playing with it in the studio and someone's trying to do it. What is this? Uh, what are these? What is this contraption? So basically the Kandama is a 17th century Japanese skill toy. So Japanese kids, they kind of like grow up just knowing that just doing the cupping of just, you know, bouncing it around between the cups. That's, that's just kind of like a normal uh, game, traditional game for Japanese kids. And at some point around 10 years ago, I think it was a bunch of snowboarders. They went there and uh, a bunch of these Americans just sort of picked up the Kandama and started to do a bunch of really bizarre tricks on it and started to kind of take it to a totally different level. And over the years, uh, it's just sort of like seeped into the worlds that I'm associated with, where I, I had a few different BMX friends who are really, really into it and we're like really pushing themselves to learn new tricks on it it's the same thing as bmx where it's like an inanimate object that you can just have fun with and you can just basically do like there are people that have taken this thing so far i could send people out there links but basically if you were to just go to youtube and type in kendama k-e-n-d-a-m-a um it's just absolutely flabbergasting like the stuff that people are doing with this shit and uh the, there's a big learning curve to like understanding what people are doing in the first place but i i just i basically just got completely addicted to it and all of a sudden i was spending you know many many hours like every day just just trying to learn tricks and stuff even though it made no sense for me to be spending my time doing this and um yeah at a certain point we were selling uh, other other brands kandamas out of our store and at a certain point i said you know what fuck this i'm gonna hire a, a sort of brand manager to try to turn this into something bigger and and uh you know we've got a whole team of dudes who are like unbelievably passionate about this thing and uh yeah it's just something i really genuinely love and it doesn't you know again that's something that i wouldn't be into if i was just chasing money it's something where i really kind of like fell in love with the subculture and just the community of it it's one of the coolest communities in the world in terms of just the 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 love that people have for this thing interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely check that out i, I was not familiar with that i thought it could have been some other type of toy as well it looked like kind of a 
there was it, it looked kind of crazy. I didn't understand what the deal is, but I, I will I will look at that and and see this no jumper. What's up with the Phoenix Suns? No jumper. I believe you're in a BMX group called Jumper. It says no jumper. But what's the uh, what's what's with the Suns team? Uh, oh, I just, I honestly didn't know. I kind of get it now. I, is this just like a new thing? Is this a new? Uh, is this brand new? Then I actually I swear to you I didn't get it, and then I just thought about it out loud, and I, there was something about some girl on the team. Yeah, I, I actually I swear to you. I didn't get it until I was just out loud thinking about it. And I was like, why is the girl there? And okay. So that's a play on something that happened. Right. Yeah. No, no jumper is from, uh, there's a Gucci main song where he says I'm balling like an athlete, but got no jumper, uh, where he's basically drawing a comparison of saying, you know, I'm not good at basketball, but I managed to make a lot of money, uh, regardless off of my, you know, uh, rapping and or drug selling ability. And, uh, at one point we just made it when we were, I was trying to think of a name for it early on. And we just made a huge list of all these different rap lyrics. And that just ended up being sort of the one that we settled on. And it was sort of like a metaphor for the fact that, you know, I, I interview a lot of like sort of big name rappers now, but, in the beginning, I didn't think that I really had any sort of like uh, claim to doing that kind of content. So I was basically just um, I, I was trying to interview a lot of industry people, a lot of like, you know, if somebody like was a producer who made beats for a rapper, I wanted to talk to them. I really kind of saw that as my way into the game. So that's where the No Jumper name originally came from. But, yeah, a couple of months ago, I had uh, two girls on the podcast and one of them just hit me with the truth bomb of just talking about how she basically performed oral sex on seven sons players in a row and it just went it, it went viral beyond almost anything that i had ever done before where it was like trending on on twitter like it was just unbelievable and the whole basketball world really came out for it at that point um and you know it wasn't really intentional we, I, I didn't want to like smear the the basketball game or anything like that but yeah we, we we ended up giving her a shirt that sort of uh memorialized that that confession I, th- I forget. I think it's 15 official players on a roster. So hopefully, uh, you know, eight, uh, whatever plus don't have wives and girlfriends, but that that's not, well, a- she named them. She, oh. she named off a large percentage of them on, on Instagram. At, at a certain point, I kind of backed away from being involved in the specific, uh, people who were being named. All right. Well, that, okay. I, that's uh, I didn't, I, I was wondering if that was the logo for no jumper. And then I realized uh, it was, I, I actually heard, had heard something along the lines of that story. And I just, I did not put it together, but okay. So there's that. Uh, I do want to go, I want to make sure we get to Twitter. Cause I know you got, uh, you got a full plate, you got a, you know, booked in stuff and there's a lot of, a lot of questions. So uh, let's, uh, let's try to knock some of these out. How are you doing on time? Are we good for some? Oh yeah. I'm chilling. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I see you again, guys, you can win a $109 ticket. Ask your question. Uh, you will be entered. We'll try to to go through as much of these as we can. But uh, let's start with this. Do you see a correlation in extreme sports, delayed gratification, or finally landing a trick you practice for months to know you progressed in your poker career? I mean, I guess you don't. Really, I mean, poker career. But do you see any 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 uh, correlation with extreme sports and poker? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that was very much what what drew me into uh, to BMX in the first place was that I I never really felt like I was uh, 
you know, I never had that mentality of like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick something I want to be good at and I'm going to work really hard at it. And then eventually I'm going to get good at it and I'll be able to sort of like build upon my, my skill set. And then BMX was really the first thing that I found that I sort of had that relationship with where there would be like a curb in front of my house and I would just go out in the front yard and just work on manualing the curb or, 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 you know, doing a 180 off the curb or whatever. And I would just go out in the front yard and just sort of thrash myself trying to learn. And then eventually got relatively good at it. And I would say that, you know, thrashing yourself is definitely how it feels when you talk about poker, where, you know, if, if you go to play poker and you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to get absolutely demolished. Uh, especially these right. days, it's kind of hard to imagine somebody that doesn't have a really strong foundation, uh, <laughs> being, able to do too much uh or, or go too far like you know it's, it's kind of hard to imagine somebody having like a chris moneymaker-esque run in the in the world series these days given that everybody's so good but yeah, yeah. i mean i i, I that, that's really what i fell in love with at a young age was just the idea of just being able to work at something and build up a skill set over time so for sure that that correlation 100 percent very cool. I got, we got a comment here. Someone said they watched you stream poker the other day. How are you finding it? But I think we kind of covered that you are on Twitch and you sort of went through that already. Some of these questions uh, are, have been asked. So I'll just point out, we got people in here that are, that are watching you on, on Twitch already. They're, they're taking a liking. So that's good. Um, hey, Sunday, Sunday, we're playing the venom 2650, my biggest buy-in ever. And it's a PKO. I'm not particularly skilled at playing PKOs by any means. So look at, I'm betting on you, man. I got 250 says that you're going to do well right here. I got, I'm in there. Yeah, that's so you got to send me your address so I can send you some shirts and uh, I'll send you some kandamas and stuff. Awesome. I, I, I would love that. I love games and, and stuff. It sounds like it's a, it's a, it's not easy. It probably takes a while to get the, the hang of it. Right. There's a lot of stuff. I, I, could, I could teach you some basic tricks, like super easy, but then like the, a little bit more complicated stuff is like unbelievably difficult. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, yeah, one, one, you know, it's like magic, right? One thing at a time, you got to get one, one of it down and then go, we'll, we'll take it slow. But, uh, what about, let's talk about child stuff. Which of your passions and professions would you like to pass on to your kids? Do you know, it's a girl or a boy or do you guys not? Yeah, know? it's a girl. Very nice. Congrats again. Uh, it's exciting. Anything you want to kind of, would you be excited to see her get into that you, that you've sort of uh, done? I mean, I guess BMXing for, for, it's probably not as popular for girls, but like any of your yeah. things that you would like to see her take part in. I mean, I really hope that she has a propensity for wanting to go to the skate park because that would be really fun. Although, you know, maybe six or seven years from now when she's like going to want to be at the skate park, I don't know how bad I'm going to want to be at the skate park, but that would be awesome. I think art in general, music, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's when I look at my life, I think that my life would have probably proceeded more smoothly if my parents had sort of like understood how to nurture somebody like me who was clearly not really uh, attracted to, to traditional schooling experience. But I was like really, really drawn towards art and music and writing and stuff. So I would, I would hopefully that's, that's a big goal of mine is just to be able to like nurture whatever kind of passions or talents she uh, exhibits. So, the, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not, looking at it like, Oh, I'm into this. So I, I want to make sure that she's into this because for me, I mean, I got, I got a ton of stuff that I'm excited about in life in general. So I feel like I just want to, you know, try to push her to nurture whatever kind of natural ability she might have. Very, very cool. And what about hobbies in terms of uh, art or sports cards? Have you gotten in this sports card craze at all? People collecting, have you seen this? No, I mean, Gary V was telling me right before COVID hit, I, I, I had a meeting with Gary V and he told me like, get into sports cards. 
and I, I remember looking at his Twitter that night and just being like, Jesus Christ, this guy talks about sports cards a lot. And now the market's exploding. So, yeah. um, that is cool to see. I wouldn't say I don't really know a lot about sports. Uh, there's, there's a part of me that wants to get more interested in sports. Um, but yeah, you know, in general, I feel like everything is always kind of smoother for me when I, when I, or just in general for everything, it's like, things are always better when you go towards things that you're naturally drawn to. So for me with poker, it's like, you know, if I were to get into like sports betting, I mean, that seems like that's more of a, a growth industry maybe than poker right now. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with poker. Like I, I play poker in, in situations where I'm putting huge amounts of time into it and, yeah. you know, either losing money or just if I did win, it, it wouldn't really necessarily change that much for me. So, you know, I'm always trying to get interested in more and more things, but at the end of the day, something like poker, I'm just unbelievably drawn to. So I, I, I try to just follow what, I, what, you know, swimming downstream as they say. Yes, exactly. I, well, Gary Vee is actually, so his, his key contact in the industry is one of my very, very good friends. I'm pretty, pretty deep into it. And he's absolutely right. I think it's honestly the infancy still, it's gone up a lot, but there's a lot of money coming into it. And it's, uh, yeah, if it's not your passion though, you only have so many, so many hobbies and things, right. You can't just do everything and, and you got to sort of pick and choose, but I do think it's, uh, it's just one of those things that's going to blow up uh, in a big way here. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on it. Uh, in terms of poker, we've covered, you're playing this tournament on Sunday, You've played, you've streamed, you have a Twitch channel, people can follow you there, but what do you enjoy more? Because tournaments take a lot of time, and I imagine for you it's not something you can regularly do. You can't do multi-day tournaments. You can't do 10, 12 hours playing in a tournament regularly. Do you play cash games sometimes? Like you mentioned, Aria, what's your like pre- preference on take time out of it? Would you rather play a tournament or cash game, and do you like PLO or just hold them? What's your, what's your games? I, uh, you know, I watch people play PLO a bit and I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around the strategy a little bit more, but I mean, generally speaking, yeah, I only play, uh, MTTs at this point. Um, I don't know that there's a lot of sit and goes, uh, going crazy on ACR, but that like, you know, that's something I'm also really interested in is just sort of, uh, you know, when I see people playing these like hyper turbos with like 10 big blinds, like that, that's another thing I'm really interested in. I mean, honestly, the thing that I'm not, that I'm terrified of is playing super deep stack poker. And that's one thing that would like me and Scott ball, you know, whenever I'm talking to him about hands, he plays, or he sends me hands. It's like, he's playing 600 fucking big blinds deep. And as somebody who plays a lot of MTTs, I mean, that's just crazy foreign to me. So, um, you know, for me, the stuff that I'm interested in is, a lot of times it is the ICM situations and like th- those are the hands that I'm sending to BBZ more often than not is like, you know, I-, I made this call and there were two short stacks left at the other table. Like, is this call defensible? And, you know, th- I feel like the, the tournament thing has really become like my central focus. Uh, I-, I was supposed to start playing on live at the bike. Uh, I- I've been on there a couple of times and I want to start doing it again. Um, playing those kind of crazy um, cash games is very appealing to me. I don't know that I'm necessarily looking to play a lot of cash games online where, uh, you know, yeah. you're playing against, for the most part, very, very good players. Uh, right. it's, it's a little difficult to keep tabs on the security. You know, that's much more of a concern in cash, I would say, and definitely something I would be concerned about. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm definitely interested in probably playing tournaments online and cash in real life, uh, at least going forward once you can play in real life more. That makes that makes a ton of sense. Very cool. How has COVID-19 impacted your career? Have you benefited or been hampered by it? And uh, what is offered new material 
for you to explore. So basically, yeah, has it net net been, has it affected you or not? And, and how, if so, how? Um, so I actually got really lucky because my, my store on Melrose that, uh, I had open for, uh, I guess we, we moved to Melrose in 2016 or 20, 2017 sounds about right. So we were there for about three years and we had been looking to get out of the lease just because that area has been uh, going downhill a little bit. I wanted to, you know, take a few months off, maybe six months off and then maybe recollect and, uh, do another store. But Honestly, maybe two weeks after we shut the store down, all of a sudden COVID hit. And uh, now I consider myself like unbelievably lucky that I wasn't stuck with the rent payment uh, during the pandemic. Um, But yeah, there was definitely a point uh, pretty early in the pandemic where nobody was coming to L.A., I'm not really into doing uh, Zoom interviews with rappers for the most part. Like this, this is this is great, honestly. Like you know, you're a smart guy. Like conversation wise, it flows very smoothly. But you know, th- like I did a Waka Flocka interview um, a few months ago. That you know, just just the nature of the Zoom, I didn't really feel like we got into a great groove of a conversation. And right. I feel like if we were to do that same interview in real life, it probably would have been incredible. So you know, that that the, there there was definitely a moment when COVID hit where I was like, fuck, like it's going to be really difficult for me to continue doing my, my business the way that I've been going. But, you know, luckily I was sort of in a position where we, we have the news show on Snapchat. We do these live streams where people basically like pay us a hundred dollars at a time to listen to their music. Um, so those kind of things we just sort of like doubled down on and, and refocused on. And now, I mean, it's, you know, we, we have a lot of people coming through doing interviews. There's definitely interviews that aren't happening because of uh, COVID, but you know, it hasn't really changed my, my shit up all that much. I, I feel super lucky that I didn't get it or that, you know, two of my employees got it and nobody else got it. Right. So that was pretty lucky. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say the lot, the, you know, I, most of us do a lot of the ones over kind of this, this link zoom or stream yards, whatever. And I agree with you. It is better in person. I actually had a studio built during COVID in Miami that it is getting done. I haven't been back there, but I am going to, I look forward to doing it live. Cause I do think that is a, you know, it's just something about being in person, right? It's just different. It's nice. It's Wait, more but so where are you located most of the time? So I have a, I have a place in Miami. My wife's Brazilian. So I spend time, a fair amount of time in Brazil. And then also I go back uh, to Bimini, like in between Miami and Bimini and then uh, Canada. Cause you can't be in the U S and stream on. Right. Party. So I'll be like, like actually my parents live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it's about, 30 minutes over the border to Windsor. So like, that's where I'm like officially, that's like my real, you know, secondary address. That's where I have all my documents, my lease, everything. And that's like the official, but you just, you have to be anywhere else, but the U S so I can be in Canada. I can be in Mexico. I can be in uh, Bimini, you know, Montreal, whatever, just anywhere outside the U S but that's what, you know, for ACR, you're able to play, but you can't play on like, the major, you know, party poker, poker stars, the other sites, you have to be out of the U S when you're playing, which is kind of weird, right? You could like have a lease and go over the border. It's the same thing in New York, New Jersey, right? Like guys are playing WSOP and you can't play in New York, but you could go over the bridge and play in New Jersey. It doesn't really make sense, but that's, you know, that's, that's the state of poker we're in at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Or like I, I seen somebody say the other day, they're like, Oh, you should, you should, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just go down to, to Mexico for the weekend. We could play some, some GG tournaments. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like I'm going to drive two and a half hours, three hours, just, yeah. to, just to sit and play online, which I, I mean, listen, that, I'll tell you what, I was doing this for years since 2015 on Twitch. And it was the same thing. I was sponsored by, uh, with poker stars and then party. It's, a, it's crazy. Like I was traveling 
traveling, I would literally sometimes have to like, it's not even the travel. You got to then get your laptop, you get your portable setup, you got your lights, you got your camera, you got the and you got to set up. Then the hotel internet sucks. They say they got up, upload download of six, but it's really like, you know, 1.2 or 0.8 unsteady. And there's so many times I was in New Zealand. I was supposed to be there for three weeks. I got there. I couldn't stream Australia. Internet sucks. Like I've had so many times where I like couldn't stream. If I had like my full desktop, you know, work setup that I have like at home, it would just be so much easier, but it's such a pain in the ass. I mean, it's such a, it's so annoying for poker, how it's set up, but I mean, you know, hopefully the U S will get it back here uh, full force in the next couple of years, but it's, it's, yeah. you see, you see the States passing Michigan, Pennsylvania, it's coming, but it's just crazy. It's just, you, it's, but yeah, you can play daily fantasy. You want to play DFS and DraftKings. You can bet your heart out or bet sports now at a federal level. It's like, and poker's like way more skilled in these games. It's not close. And Dude, you know, it's funny when I get really hyped when I see, players from outside the u.s playing on acr because you know for, for me to play against all in pav knowing that he's you know one of these really good uh non-us players seeing him on acr it's like i'm having a little like celebrity sighting there because you know obviously most of the real killers in poker these days are located in europe or, or wherever you know yeah no, and, and you know, some of those guys still play exactly like ACR does have some special, they got, they got good events and you do see it. Pav actually, good buddy of mine. He's also part of team party poker and he's a, he's a great streamer and really, really great player. Fun to, fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, it is, uh, you know, it, it's different. It's a different game and in, in with the U S and in a different part of the world, it's a shame. Cause if, if poker was just like open all countries, like even now just Germany got segregated. So now out of the main pool of like party and stars, like Germany's not in, there's like, you know, different areas just kind of get picked off and it's like, it just makes the liquidity harder. You can't have those guarantees. You know, it's hard to get a seven, $10 million guaranteed tournament without having, you know, the whole, the whole pool. Once you start breaking down by state, by state by state and shit, it's like, what do you really can't really do it? It's just hard. So I, I have a ton of conversations with people about, you know, just making poker better or how to, you know, make, great content around poker or whatever there's and you know so often that conversation just ends up back at it's got to be fully legalized and, and regulated in the u.s or also a lot of the things you know it would be such a magical thing to have uh, party poker and stars etc like dumping money into you yeah. know tv advertising and all, all these things that they were basically doing like when you look at all the stars that were created by espn and the wsop and stuff i mean that basically happened because these giant uh, poker sites were incentivized to create content around these guys. And, uh, you know, that, that's really what I'm hoping for is just that, you know, with more regulation or over time that we'll be able to, you know, have those companies working at making poker uh, big again or yeah, great again. Billion dollar companies. There's, they got a lot of money they're spending in different ways. And I, and I mean, for podcasts in general and advertising, like those are, you know, that's the stuff that's going to come back first if, uh, if it does happen. So I, you know, I think, uh, I think it's a good chance. It just, you know, it's just kind of, you're 36, I'm 34. I don't know. I'd be playing poker as much. Like as I get older, like the, the longer it goes, the kind of less excited I am. Right. It's like, am I going to be 40 something and streaming poker 45 and, and playing and then will maybe poker be legal and fully then I, you know, I don't really know, but uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic and it does seem to be moving moving the right way a lot of questions about your tattoos tell me about your tattoos you got a lot you got sleeves you got tattoos everywhere how many do you have do you even know what where did you get your first one give me some tattoo info um i have uh, so the first one was actually uh like the, there was a straight edge band called path of resistance that uh i had a big ass eagle on my leg that says true till death um i think i had my first drink of alcohol at like 21 or some shit so i was actually only uh true for a couple of years after that but um 
Yeah, I don't know. There, there was a period in my life when I was maybe like 19 or 20 where I just wanted to get tattoos so bad. And I just I wanted to have sleeves. I wanted to have neck tattoos, etc. Um, I really haven't got that many tattoos over the past few years. Like there, there's a big part of me that wants to you know, just do the, the 15 hour session or the 20 hour session or whatever, and just get my whole back done, um, get my more stuff done on my legs and whatnot. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not nearly as excited about tattoos as I was as a young man. Um, I guess I just always was very much drawn towards it. You know, the art side of things, but really probably a lot of it had to do with like, you know, I, I grew up uh, going to a lot of hardcore and metal shows and stuff. And it was just a, a huge percentage of the cool dudes in those environments had shitloads of tattoos. And I mean, I, I assume that that was probably a big part of why I, uh, I think that a lot of young people are really in kind of like a rush to grow up. And, uh, when you get tattoos, it sort of like makes you look like you've been through some shit. Um, and maybe that's why I don't necessarily feel the need to get a lot of tattoos now, having actually been through a lot more shit. But, you know, yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to – I really – I think of uh, tattoos at this point, it's kind of like uh, – because I, I don't do drugs at all, but I would definitely pop a pill if I was going to get tattooed well, besides weed. But if I was going to get tattooed, that would be a nice excuse for me to uh, get get medicated real quick. So I don't know. For sure. And tell me about your a little bit about when you, you grew up in New Hampshire. Did you move at an early age from there? And what do your what do your parents feel, your family about sort of your your career, your you know, for, for me, poker, my parents are very supportive, but it's sort of out there. It's different. You know, when you say I'm starting a podcast or I'm I'm doing this, I'm I'm doing you know, it's not your conventional job or your conventional sort of route. What, what was your sort of uh, support system growing up? And, and did you grow up in New Hampshire or did, when did you move from there? Yeah, I lived in New Hampshire till I was uh, 19. I'm from Nashua, New Hampshire, which for anyone who's familiar, it's like pretty much the southernmost uh, city in New Hampshire. So it's right by the Massachusetts border, um, like half hour, 40 minutes away from Boston. And uh, my parents, yeah, they, they actually moved out here. They're, they're super supportive. When I was still playing poker, I had the same uh, situation as you, where my parents were like, oh, it seems like you've got some money now, but also, like, what the fuck is this? Like, are you are you just going to get unlucky one day and all the money's going to go away? It was very, very hard for them to understand. And then even beyond that, once I started the website and I was making a pretty good amount of money off of uh, advertising and whatnot, still, my parents were very much like, a little you know a little confused like the the concept of selling advertising on a blog is a little a little right. foreign to some people like honestly i felt like i got more of a proud feeling from them when i opened the store more than really like the other things i had done prior in my life which is kind of funny because the store it's not like you're not going to make a huge amount of money doing the retail thing especially selling bikes and shit um but at this point i mean they're super happy they're 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 really proud of me and uh you know they they come here they're they're overwhelmed like my mom my mom i I, she almost teared up the first time she went to the store just witnessing me taking photos with fans or or just you know being nice to some kid or you know it's not like i'm fixing their bikes but you know having a conversation with them about their bike and then you know telling the employee to fix it or whatever but uh yeah they're they're recognized you get recognized when you go out and you go out to the grocery store to dinner to people come up to you a lot like in general or in your area or like uh, how would you say that is in terms of uh you know notoriety obviously a huge online following but is that something that you you get you know what level of of sort of uh recognizability would you when you go out would you say you're getting 
Yeah, I mean, I would say in Hollywood or in L.A., I pretty much can't go anywhere without people recognizing me and talking to me. I feel like the mask thing has helped a lot. Um, but, you know, I, I try not, I try to just have a positive attitude about it. Like, I, I did a video with uh, the rapper Blueface the other day, and we went to Walmart. And, I mean, he probably, in, like, the 45 minutes that we were at Walmart, he probably took, like, you know, 200 photos um, wow. with, with fans and – you know, that, that, that was like a nice reminder uh, that like kind of helped center me of like, this dude's way more famous than you. And he has to take way more photos than you, but look at how good his attitude is about it. So, you know, I, I do feel like there was a time when I was in the store all the time. And I was like, I mean, we're talking about taking like hundreds of selfies every day for years when I was like really spending a lot of time at the store. And that, I think it, it slowly kind of started to mess with my ability to, to sort of like uh, relate to people or, or to really have conversations with people because I felt like everybody that I was meeting either wanted to tell me about their music or they wanted to take a picture. And it just sort of uh, that, that sort of surface level, like interaction, like slowly started to like gnaw away at my brain to the point where I felt like I wasn't really having like quality conversations with random people that I met. And one thing that I've noticed since I shut the store down is that, you know, a rapper will come in to do the interview and I'll end up in like a conversation with his friends or his manager. I'll end up in like a, a good, healthy conversation with them. So I feel like in some way that's like my brain healing from all those years at the store where I felt like I, I kind of got to the point where I just like, I didn't know how to make small talk with random people. And, uh, yeah, it was a very weird thing to go through, but in terms of people, you know, recognizing you and stuff like that, I mean, on one hand, uh, you know, I'm uh, protected everywhere I go. I guess you could say I'm, I'm definitely ready for whatever. I'm, I'm just, you know, I had a guy try to fucking shoot me one time. So basically. Oh, someone actually mentioned that here on the side. I, I meant to. Yeah. Point so in the, that, that, changed, that changed everything for me a lot in terms of just like realizing like, you know, I, I'm, oh, like this, this could really happen. And, and I'm not going to just let somebody hurt me. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go out <laughs> the way I'm supposed to go out. So my life has changed a good amount, but I also say that that, that is, that's kind of why I feel so comfortable at this point is that I'm, I'm, I'm not going down easily. And I, I roll with security when I go to rap concerts and stuff like that. Although like security is basically like dudes I know who are like fresh out of prison that I'm like, you know, basically giving them something to do for the day to be able to hang out with me, like guys I'm already friends with and shit like that. So, yeah. you know, interesting. Very, yeah. Very interesting. So that was someone pulled a gun in studio actually, or, or what? Yeah. I was doing one of these late night live streams where I was uh, listening to the fans music and uh, one of the employees went out to get the food and this fucking kid slipped in at that moment and shoved the gun in my face and the gun ended up being fake, but I, like he tried to rob me and uh, yeah, we, we, you know, he, he got beat up pretty bad. And uh, that was, that was a really scary moment that like, you know, in, in some ways, like, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they're like, I don't think you ever really processed that trauma. And I'm like, I didn't even really process it as trauma. Cause like, to me, that was just, you know, it's like, sometimes I feel like my life is moving so fast and with so many things that like are going on that like, sometimes I'll have something that might have a significant impact on how I view the world, but then I don't even have time to stop and think about how I view the world, you know, as a result of that. So, yeah, um, that's, that's like the Ferris Bueller quote, you know, like the life moves pretty fast. You got to stop and smell the rose. And I, I mean, I think we're similar in certain ways with that. Like, you know, I, I take on Twitch podcasting, YouTube, I, I work with the company. I do other stuff. You got a thousand things going on. It's kind of like things go so quickly. How do you find 
your self balance and how do you do you, are you able to uh, to kind of process and, and sit back like do you ever take a week off like when's the last time you had a vacation uh, officially you know because it's kind of i feel like a blessing and a curse like the social dilemma i don't know if you watch that sort of that type mm. of thing but once you get in you know it's like some people like don't have social media and i get that but then there's some people like yourself or me social media is kind of like what we do right it's like that's our way of expressing ourselves that's how we kind of we we are our sort of bread and butter so it's like it's a it's a it's a double edged sword because it's like yeah i want to disconnect and i want to whatever but i also want to be the best i can be be informed be alert and 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 have great interviews great guests and and sort of provide so you know how do you sort of deal with that whole scope of everything like cuz to your point it's like it's kind of hard once you get into it it's kind of hard to like pump the brakes a little bit Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just, I try to like just divide time up so that, you know, and and to just find things that that mean something to you that don't have anything to do with like having that constant connection to what's going on in social media. Like, you know, I, I try to spend quality time with my girl. That's one thing I'm really excited about with the kid is that I feel like the kid is just going to open up this whole different world inside my brain of having something that I really, really care about that isn't based on fame or notoriety or money in any way. Um, which is great. You know, even just making time to spend with the family. Um, I work out with a personal trainer, which is, you know, um, relatively torturous you know like it's he he really whoops my ass every time i'm in there and but you know that that means a lot to me sometimes i think about like what am i doing to my brain by you know waking up and looking at twitter every day and you know the thing is is like i could easily just pay attention to the side of twitter that is like hip-hop and and uh you know maybe poker and then stuff like that stuff that is like stuff I'm used I'm interested in slash is useful to my business. Why do I follow all these accounts that talk about Trump 24 seven? Like, why do I follow all these accounts that are, you know, I feel like a lot of that paying attention to the news, especially these days, it sort of seeks to terrify you. And I don't know that there's necessarily a lot of EB in, uh, knowing about everybody else's terrible experiences that are going on around you. I think like the social dilemma definitely helped me to think about all that a bit more clearly, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely, it's it's a tough thing to balance of of wanting to stay super tapped into the world around you, because if there's some, if there's some rap news, that comes out and I'm a couple hours late on posting it, or if nobody on my staff posts it, I mean, we, we kind of missed the boat on that. I mean, that's, that's going to be something that everybody else is going to be like more leading the conversation on instead of us. But, you know, at a certain point, you got to kind of separate yourself from it to a certain extent. And I'm always just kind of looking for ways to even, even something like hiking, going hiking for two, three hours with my girl, which is not happening right now because she's mega pregnant. But I mean, that that's really, really important to me at this point. I would love to be more into like meditation and yoga. I, I've periodically worked on getting into those over the years. And it's like my body just reacts it just doesn't want to do it because it's it's kind of like a, a pain point to right. have your head completely clear for even ten minutes. But I, I did a you know, I did a ten day meditation retreat. No phone, no talking, no reading, no. How was that? And that was that was the craziest shit I ever did. I mean, I've done. Listen, I don't do. Um, you know, I'm not into drugs myself, but I've been to Burning Man twice. That's actually well three times. I actually met my wife walking by in the middle of Burning Man, um, which oh, was pretty crazy. cool. But like, I I can only relate it to an experience I had there with the the like your 
brain. I mean, you flash back your whole life. Like you you can see everything. You're just totally cleared. It's like being on a psychedelic uh, at the end, by the end of it. It's, it's really hard to explain, but I, there's like two or three day ones as well, which I think would probably be, I would have, if I could do it again, I would have probably done that instead. And now, I mean, this was like right before this actually inspired me. I had a lot of ideas. Like I wrote poems and wrote like all this stuff down of what I was thinking. And then I started a YouTube channel when I came out and it kind of like got me into, uh, you know, recentered and refocused and gave me a lot of good ideas. But, um, you know, that was, that was a stretch. I don't think I could do it now. Like I can't imagine yourself going off the line for 10 days, like of anything. And especially once you have kids and like all this stuff, it's almost impossible or at least like newborn kids. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I would say, say it's called Vipassana, uh, and they have them in California. I did one just outside of, um, Dallas, Texas, maybe 20 minutes out, but it's very interesting. Uh, I, I would love to do that. Cause I'm a huge fan of uh, Sam Harris, the yeah. author and podcaster. Yeah. And he, he talks about meditation a lot. And I find myself like sort of avoiding his like meditation content because I, you know, I know that that's something that is, would be a real, real challenge for me to do. But yeah, I think uh, doing a two or three day one, uh, probably not the ideal time uh, with the baby and whatnot, but that's definitely right. something that I would like to do at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's something to jot down. Um, I know you got you to gotta get going here. It's some great questions. Want to take a few more and just any point oh, yeah, yeah. more. Um, what, uh, what about the best interview or most fa- – like the person you've enjoyed or, or just sort of the interview that you thought went the best? Give me a couple that were just like really great overall that, that really stood out, stand out to you in terms of um, some interviews or podcasts you've done. I got to work on my answers to that question because the, the XXX Tentacion interview, that was, has always stood out to me as – the biggest interview that I did that changed my life the most, that changed his life the most and, and probably moved the most people, which is like, those are, those are the metrics that I tend to sort of judge my podcast on is like, how much of an impact do they have? Um, but man, I've done so many conversations, um, on camera, you know, even interviewing somebody like Casey Neistat, who was a huge, uh, influence on me to start vlogging. Um, and, and, you know, really has like a more evolved thought process on creating content content than almost anybody that I've ever uh, spoken to. That was a huge, huge honor for me right there. Um, but there's, there's been a lot of them over the years. Shit. Like even, you know, all, all the people who've passed, like, you know, I had juice world on, did one of his first interviews. That was, uh, you know, losing him was incredibly hard. That was an amazing one. Um, shit, little peep, rest in peace. Uh, you know, I, I didn't actually get to do a pop smoke interview. We lost him this year. Um, you know, even like the Gary V one, there's a lot of interviews where you can kind of tell that I'm sort of like mining their brain for information about how I want to run my business or what I want to do in life in general. And like, you know, a, a lot of those, those are the best uh, podcasts I think is when you're really talking to somebody that you're sort of like actively learning and taking advice from on the fly. Whereas, you know, a lot of my rapper interviews are more like me just really trying to learn about them, but then ultimately that learning doesn't necessarily impact my life that much since I'm not trying to be a rapper. A lot of times the, the businessmen and the, the grown ass people that I interview, even somebody like master P like just ghost face killer. Like that was an amazing one for me as a kid who just grew up worshiping him, you know? 
Right. That's yeah. And no, I think that's a, that's a great answer. I think th- that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Uh, a couple of BMX questions here as well. What was the worst injury in BMX you had? And were you like, where were you ranked? I mean, I don't even know, like, do they have a, t- t- a, a by tier, you know, rankings, like how were you one of the best BMX riders? Was it just like a hobby? And did you have any really critical in- injuries or something that sort of slowed you down with that? Uh, no. So I was never like a great BMX rider by any means. I was always kind of like a dude who was super obsessed with it and would be out riding with other, you know, people who are like uh, oftentimes like basically pros or like really, really top level dudes. But I mean, I was never like a, a great BMX rider by any means. Um, so that is, it, it kind of stands out to me now when I think about it, that that is kind of out of the ordinary. Normally people get into something like it would be out of the ordinary to see somebody who, who was mega into poker for like 10 or 15 years, but didn't ever demonstrate like an ability to be a poker pro. Right. Um, I was kind of like that with BMX and, but, but I got into filming and I got into, you know, uh, writing about BMX fairly early on. So when I started the the website, that just sort of made sense. Like it it was like all the pieces sort of filled in. I'm like, Oh, I was never going to be a top pro. I just never physically was really like that guy. But you know, oh, I found my 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 niche pretty early on by like 21 or 22, which was, uh, you know, it, it was good to find that and, and good for me to realize like, oh, you could be ridiculously obsessed with something without necessarily having to be Michael Jordan. You know, you could be the guy who who writes about Michael Jordan and that's still a valid career path that could take you very far. Um, Honestly, my worst injury like my actual worst injury was kind of before i knew anything about how to ride bmx because i was uh i went to these dirt jumps when i was like 14 and i still had a mountain bike actually i wasn't even on a bmx bike yet but there was a jump and i i guess i didn't realize how how far this jump was or how big this jump was and i hit it on my mountain bike and i literally did i think like two backflips and then landed like with all the impact on my shoulder and uh i i broke my collarbone really really bad and i had to get a like all kinds of pins and shit put in my shoulder to hold my collarbone together it feels fine now but um that was a really bad one i remember i got a concussion when i was maybe 22 or 23 i got this concussion and uh i didn't know anything about like what I had been doing or how I got hurt for maybe eight hours. And, um, you know, I was calling my mom over and over and telling her what happened over and over. Cause I, you know, five minutes after I talked to her, I couldn't remember the conversation I had just had. So when I think about that, I'm like, wow, I, I, I got lucky on that one. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely, I, I still don't wear a helmet, but I would advise anybody who gets into BMX or riding bikes in general, it's a very dangerous thing to be into. So definitely wear a helmet because you, these concussions, like I've had a couple concussions in my life and, you know, I, I can't be sure that my brain would be working better or smoother if I hadn't had those concussions, but it definitely doesn't help. Like a lot of, a lot of my BMX heroes from growing up, if you were to have a conversation with them, you would sort of realize right away, like, oh, you don't want to get hit in the head over and over. It's very, very bad. Oh, I can't hear them right now. Hmm. I wonder if they can hear me. Oh, shit. My boy got his Instagram account back. That's crazy. He's not even a rapper or anything. He's just like a dude. He lost his Instagram for a period of time. I wonder what is actually happening here. Also, I wonder if they can hear me. Hello? Hmm. Yo. What's up, man? 
that was crazy. The whole fucking thing went off. Everything just put power. Just the computer just shot out. Uh, never had that. Happen. Oh, dude, I've had that happen to me a few times. I kept talking. I don't know if they're if they're gonna be able to hear it. That's great. No, I think they do. It says it's still live. So I think I just got dropped off. But uh, if you were talking about BMX and injuries and your BMX career, that was uh, that that works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we're good. All right, let's take a couple more, man. This has been great. I appreciate the time. So let's just do a couple more here, and then we'll, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do we'll do some more. We'll talk. We'll, we'll have to know when you win the tournament on Sunday, right before your babies do. You know, it's funny enough. I'll tell you this. One of my most key tournament wins ever was uh, ACR. It was December 2016, two days before I got married, and I was in Brazil, and I played 25 hours straight because the time zone's three hours different than normal. So I played a million dollar guaranteed. Uh, $500 buy-in started at 7 p.m. Brazil time, but it was 4 p.m. Eastern. And I had been streaming since like 9 a.m. Brazil time. And I finished at 10 a.m. the next day. So I played a 25-hour stream. I chopped it up three-way. As a chip leader, I got 141 grand for 500 bucks. That was when Bitcoin wow. was like 700 a coin or 750. And I got paid in, in BTC. Uh, and I, I didn't keep all of it, obviously, in BTC. But I, that was like how I got into BTC. And then I kept the chunk and that parlayed it and whatever. But that was so, you know, right for a big event in my life, a wedding, two days before, 25 hour, one of my most memorable streams. And uh, yeah, and got, you know, so, hey miracles can happen acr can make dreams and you know i i right for your baby i just i'm picturing it like right before your baby gets born you you bink attorney we'll do another podcast if you win it that? that would be sick maybe maybe uh if i can mark some hands i could uh i i haven't actually done any coaching with anybody besides bbz but maybe i could hit you with some hands from it if it uh goes well or even if it doesn't go well yeah no i mean i i love poker i love talking about poker i don't mind and 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 i, I think it's interesting especially yeah maybe we get a group i don't know where you send them if it's discord or whatever but i like to kind of uh you know review that type of stuff and and look over hands and it is interesting it's also interesting to get different perspectives and see how people think about hands and, and it's a population tendencies. And you know, I think it's valuable always when you talk to someone about, about poker, just to kind of see like where, how they think about the game. Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, for sure. All right, let's sure. take a couple more and then we'll, uh, we'll let you ride off and, and, and continue on here. Let's see. Um, yeah. A lot of poker questions. What about new challenges for you this year? Is there any new, anything that kind of stands out as specifically that sort of came up COVID related or otherwise, like anything that really, uh, that, that's sort of been like, wow, this is, this is a, this has been a hurdle. This has been hard to sort of deal with. I mean, running like absolute dog shit on the poker tables for the past couple of months has been a challenge for sure. I've been getting fucking smashed, but uh, that's okay. The the EV line still looks good, so I got to keep reminding myself of that every time I redeposit. Um, the baby is <laughs> definitely one of the hardest things in poker. The 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 to be not be results oriented because especially when you can see your EV. You know, if you're losing or the 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 reverse, if you're winning but you're not really playing well, it's easy to kind of think you're playing well. And you know, I don't know how your your girlfriend is, but I know my wife. She doesn't care if I lose Kings to ace two suited all in pre-flop for the chip lead. Like she just wants to know how did it go? You know, she's not interested yeah. in like the actual, how it, how it went down. So it's, it's a bit tricky. Like people are so result oriented in poker. My girl has such a funny reaction to it because the way that she describes poker is she's like, like, cause I, I usually only play on Sundays or sometimes I'll get a session in like, you know, a Tuesday or a, a Friday or whatever. But I usually just like wake up early on Sundays and we'll just play all day. And she's like, she's like, you're so happy and so excited all day. And then the end of the day, you're 
almost always bummed. <laughs> and I'm right. like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's poker for you right there. It's like a fresh canvas, you know, the Sunday, especially with the bigger prizes, big pool, and you get in there and you know, the possibility is could be, could be whatever. And it's like golf too. It's, I don't know if you golf at all. I barely golf, but that like, no. I hit like one great shot or something every once in a while. I'm really bad, but it like, it's exciting to me, you know, like if you hit that big score, you get deep. It's uh, it does keep you coming, coming back. What about sports uh, BMX? I missed your answer, but I'm sure you know, I know you did BMX. Is there any like basketball? Do you play pickup? Do you like any stuff to mess around with? Nah, I lift weights and uh, do cardio type stuff with my trainer. Uh, I'm really uh, into working out, but uh, now I, 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 there's a big part of me that like wants to get back into jujitsu. Cause I did that for about a year in 2010. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily like have enough time to carve out for it. Um, you know, at this point I feel like I'm just kind of trying to like maintain uh, a state of athleticism without necessarily like going to the extreme and like really, you know, I, I, like there's only so many hours in a day and I feel like so many of my hours are already kind of uh, spoken for. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't play any other sports, although like I just have such a propensity for getting addicted to sports or like any kind of competition, you know, like th there's a big part of me that, wants to literally like play poker every day and I have to like physically stop myself from doing so because it's just not the best use of my time. But, uh, yeah, like, like moderation is a real challenge for me when it comes to all the stuff I'm into, because there's a part of me that wants to go ride bikes with my friends every day. There's right. a part of me that wants to like, you know, make YouTube videos every fucking day. And like, you know, I just at a certain point, like I, I almost don't want to like dip my toe into certain things because I know that I'm just going to, fucking get way too into it yeah you know your personality i'm the same thing i as i was saying about hobbies like i just it's hard because at some point you look around and you're spread so thin the day gets away and you're like you're doing a little everything i definitely definitely can can relate with that all right to close out here i want to just have you run me through some of these channels and what people they can follow you on so we got you on twitter adam 22 there's also the no jumper uh twitter as well and and, and how how active are you on on both you have you have a team are you posting for for yours, are you, are they, are you posting on no jumper as well? Or do you sort of have like a team that does your Instagram and Twitter, you know, where can people, what's the best way to follow along with you personally? Is it your personal pages, Adam 22 or yeah, yeah, if you want to see what I got going on, my uh, personal socials are probably best. If you want to stay up on, uh, you know, sort of like more overall like hip hop type stuff and everything, then probably the No Jumper socials are best. God, I just realized that that uh, blue face video I was talking about is officially out. Um, Where's that? But yeah, probably, that you know, that's on YouTube, the no Jumper. Instagram, Twitter. Probably the best places to be at. It, is it on the no jump? It would be on no jumper or yours, or it goes kind of both. Do you do repurpose clips and stuff of, amongst both of them or? Yeah. I mean, for, if you're interested in me as a person or in particular, like any kind of poker content, like no jumper at this point, the stuff that we're covering is sort of like way beyond uh, the, like most of it doesn't really have that much to do with me on a personal level. So I guess I would say that um, the socials is probably, uh, for, for my personal socials. Yeah. And I haven't posted on my own YouTube channel in a while, but I got to get back on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's one of those things, right? It's great. It, that's what I love about YouTube. That's what I love about podcasts. Cause you get the content, you do it. It's almost like a journal, uh, a way you can remember and, and you get to talk to people and it's, it, it just makes a lot of sense. I think podcasting, uh, is, is an amazing, amazing thing. And it's, it's very cool to see you, you, uh, you build it up for, and have, it's crazy. You have a thousand roughly, right? That's just a ballpark, but maybe done a thousand or more depending, um, over the years. And, and I think, uh, if you're going to give advice to someone, let's just take, 
podcasting. Someone says today, you know what? I'm I'm an expert in in pogs and and whatever. They 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 have people. There's a niche for it. What would you tell to someone who wants to start a podcast? What would be your advice? I mean, really, the the whole thing. Like when I when I started podcasting, it was a lot easier because there were so few people really doing uh, content in my my niche. Whereas now, almost any niche you could look at you would have to be like, Oh, there's, there's this person, there's this person. There's a lot of people doing good content. Like if you were to want to be, you know, the poker YouTuber, it's, it's going to be a challenge. You're going to have to figure out what makes you more interesting or better or better suited than a lot of uh, other people out there who are trying to do the same thing. I think that the key is just to, you know, try to find uh, something that's not necessarily being addressed. Like, you know, uh, uh, there's a, you know, if, if somebody were to try to get into like doing hip hop content right now, I feel like probably their best bet would be to be really intertwined with some up and coming artists that maybe are not necessarily being noticed by the mainstream sort of outlets yet. And just, you know, anything you can do to try to uh, make that stuff or to try to make something that other people can't, you know, like right. uh, I see a lot of people who want to do rap interviews and they do interviews and their interviews are, are not really any different or better than mine and that kind of just stands out to me as like that guy's not going to necessarily probably be able to carve something out for himself unless he's able to figure out something that would make him different so i think that's that's really what it's about is like just finding something essential that the world kind of needs or wants and finding a way to 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 be the person bringing that to the table and and uh what would you if you so rap is rap is your primary podcast focus. If you were, you know, do you see what about like sports or you've, you said you dabbled, you've mentioned some other names and people across different types of industries. What would be uh, if you were to say like a strong second or something that you would be like, all right, you know, I like this and this is, this is interesting to me. I would like to do more of these type of interviews, which, which genre do you think you would be interested in diving into more? I mean, I'm definitely the the porn thing is uh, I, I'll hit you with the game plan off camera, but it's basically there's an interview component in this new porn thing that we're doing. I would say that if anything, um, I wouldn't say that I'm aspiring to create more content at this point in my life. If anything, I'm kind of trying to just like do a good job with the stuff that I am doing and then, and then, you know, pick and choose my spots in terms of, uh, you know, what I'm trying to bring to the table. Cause I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, I don't know. Like there, there was definitely a time in my life in which I was basically trying to structure my entire life so I could create more content. Right. And I would say that at this point I'm, I'm kind of just trying to like, make the amount of money that I feel like I need to make make, and and just basically do as good a job as possible with the content that I am creating, you know? And do you believe there's a number, like people say this and it's, it seems like, you know, it's always, it's never enough. That's kind of what happens. You kind of level up in whatever you're doing. And that's just kind of, it's about a game, right? You want to, you want to be successful at money. Do you have a number in mind where you're like, all right, if I do this, I'm going to tone everything back. I'm just going to do this. Or, or do you just kind of keep going? Uh, do you think like that? Or do you have like a, a milestone or certain thing or is it a certain items or things that you, you want? Like, how do you kind of uh, forecast for what you, your goals are in that way? Or do you just not think of it that way? You know that I think that's a big part of why I like what I'm doing is that I feel like if I, you know, hit the fucking $10 million first place uh, tournament score or some shit tomorrow, I don't think I would turn down any of the interviews right. that I've done in the past few months. I feel like I'm doing stuff for the right reason at this point. I've definitely, uh, there's been times where I felt like I wasn't necessarily doing stuff for, for the right reason. And maybe was, you know, doing content or doing interviews that I didn't necessarily want to do just because I knew that they were going to get views. And, you know, I, I that, that's always going to kind of be a concern, but you know, at, at this point, I feel like, 
if I were to just hit this like ridiculous score and just have like a absurd amount of money that it, it probably wouldn't really change much. Right. I feel like I would probably be doing exactly the same thing I'm doing now. So that, that's, that's the, that's the dream. That's literally, that's what it's about. I feel the same. Like when you're able to do what you love and it's like one or something isn't going to move the needle. If you know you hit the lottery or hit something at some point, like that's, that's ultimately, I think that the hardest thing and we covered a bit is about balance. You know, it's like, all right, it's not, the money's good. You're secure, but how do you kind of find a way to make sure you're, you're balanced in all areas. And I think that's something that humans and, and no matter how successful or not, it's hard to find that where you can balance everything with, with the right way. Cause it's easy to get kind of skewed in one direction, right? Be lazy if you will, with your work and maybe more family, or if you're not spending enough time with family and you're doing too much work. So I think that's uh, that's always something that's, that, that is a constant battle. All right, well, let's give this giveaway. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate the time so much. And you know, as we may, yeah, this is a kind of up and coming podcast and uh, brand new. So yeah, this isn't, I'm not going to get no jumper numbers, but again, I, I hope you guys learned something about Adam and, and got to kind of get a different look into his world and, and check out his stuff. And um, let's, uh, let's do the, uh, the giveaway here. So you ready? We're going to give away a $109 ticket and that's not nothing, man. 109 can turn into a, a nice uh, parlay. So let's uh, do that. And again, if you want to buy a piece of Adam, he does have action up. You can go to statekings.com. I sell action on here. Adam's on there. Uh, and he's looks like you got, you got a little, yeah, you sold, you got a little more left. So there's still availability. I might, I might just grab it. If no one gets, if it doesn't sell out, I've already got eight and a half percent, but I'm going to, I'm happy with that. I feel like that's a good bet. Um, and I'll be happy when you, when you bink it right before your baby. Uh, that's an honor. If I were to go deep in that and fucking, I had Jeff gross sweating my tournament run. If I had Jeff gross sweating my final table run, that would be, I don't even know what I would do. That would be I, so. Well, you can guarantee that I'll be there. Trust me. I'll be, I might be streaming myself, but I'll have you in multi Twitch or I'll have it on the side. I'm going to be watching uh, on Sunday. I'm just curious. I'm just waiting. I got a feeling. I think, I think the baby, I, I got a feeling within like 24 to 36 hours of when the tournament is, it's going to happen. So I'm just, I'm just curious on that. That would be, that would make history. If you had to like leave the tournament or you're on your mobile driving, you know, playing and having to go to the, uh, the hospital, but you know, enjoy the tournament. That's a fun one. We got action and we got this giveaway. So let's, let's roll this. You tell me when someone's going to, $109 ticket and we're gonna we're gonna just roll it right away. You just tell me when. Okay. Uh yeah, send it. Send it in. Someone's got a hundred nine dollar ticket coming. Adam, I really do appreciate it. anything you want to close with, anything guests coming up, anything in the, in this week, the next few days you got that uh you said you got something you can't really share, but something exciting so people can keep an eye on. What about uh like next guests or anything that you're looking forward to in the next coming days? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, just keep an eye on uh, no jumper or whatever. We're always pumping out content. I just want to send a shout out to any, any poker players who watch this. You know, I love when, uh, people hit me up in the DMS and tell me like, yo, I'm so-and-so on ACR. I play against you all the time. You know, I, I really like, uh, connecting with all the different poker players and stuff. And, uh, yeah, just basically a uh, shout out to everybody who watched this, who, who, who still is keeping the poker dream alive because uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm almost kind of embarrassed with uh, what percentage of uh, poker it takes up in my brain. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you guys heard it. You got all the socials. You can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. He's got a Twitch channel, as we see here, Adam22. He will be streaming on Sunday, that big Venom event. So I'll be, uh, that's, a, that's a big guarantee, big prize. Well, I'll be in there as well. And we've got uh, the winner right there. I just rolled it, and we already messaged him. Lost Boys, uh, is that B2? 82, Lost Boys 82. We've got the $109 ticket. And again, Adam, I appreciate it, man. Best of luck in the tournament. Best of luck uh, as a dad, and best of luck on the continued success of your your podcast and endeavor so thanks for the time
Yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it for real. All right, man. Thanks, guys. That's Adam Tutu. We'll see him very soon in the streets on Twitch and otherwise. And we got big, big podcast two next week. 99, Josh Luber, CEO, founder of StockX, absolute animal. And then uh, number 100, a very special guest as well. We'll announce that uh, coming this week, but we'll hit the 100th episode and, and looking forward to the next coming week. And this will be out on iTunes, Spotify, all the different outlets. You guys can check it out. And again, follow Adam on the socials. Appreciate him for the time and, and we'll see him soon. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.